After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. From Advent through Pentecost, the Sunday readings and collects have taken us through the mighty works of God. Advent taught us to expect that our God would come to us, both in the incarnation and on the last day to judge the world. Christmas celebrated the mystery of the Father sending the Son to take on our flesh by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, coming among us to dwell as one of us. Epiphany remembered the manifestations of Christ's glory and power in the Holy Spirit, even as he taught us of the Father. Lent turned our attention to the battle of Christ against the world, the flesh, and the devil, and in Holy Week culminated in the revelation of the God who saves his people as Christ died for us to redeem us. Easter celebrated the resurrection of Christ and his victory over sin and death, opening the door to new life through him with the Father. Ascension remembered Christ going to the Father to make a place for us in the house of God and to send to us the Holy Spirit. And finally on Pentecost, we received the Holy Spirit promised by Christ to unite us into one life with him by the work of the Spirit in the love of the Father. And so today, before we begin our long season of growth in this new life that we have received, we pause to turn from these meditations on what God has done for us to a celebration of who God is. Our God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, three divine persons and yet one God, the Holy Trinity. Our epistle lesson leads us this morning through the doorway of heaven, opened by Christ and passed through in the Spirit. The threshold to heavenly things may not be crossed unless we are invited, welcomed into things that are higher than us. To know that we must ascend by the Spirit to see the bounty of the Father, we must admit first that we are too lowly to understand these things of ourselves. This is the foundation of what it means to understand anything. We must confess that we stand under something that is above our heads. Without this humility, no one may hope to see God. God wills that we see him, but also wills how we see him. The one seeking the Father is welcomed only through the Son and must go there in the Spirit. We have no right to demand that God reveal himself to us. Rather, God has done all as a gift of his grace to make us able to know him as he is. The Holy Spirit attends to the soul who is invited to behold God and safeguards its passage. As our Lord tells Nicodemus, 
except a person be born of water and the Holy Spirit, they cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Only through baptism are we made fit by the Spirit to be led into the truth of God. When we come to look on God as he is, our language to describe it cracks under the strain of trying to communicate what is, by virtue of being above our understanding, also above our language. The image of heaven is at once poetry, as it is revelation. St. John's language moves swiftly to capture this scene during which each new sight exceeds in wonder the one that came before it. Wonder follows upon wonder, and our imaginations are left breathless as at last we are brought by the Spirit to the center of all wonders, the vision of God himself. Suddenly, God's radiance redefines the whole scene, and we hear a song of praise that has been going on all along and always, before we even became aware of it. All the voices of heaven come together into one voice, whose one song is a threefold holy. The invitation to behold the vision of God begun in the humility of understanding is enlightened suddenly by the Holy Spirit to lead us by the hand into the worship of heaven itself. The consummation of revelation is this adoration. To be able to confess the Trinity as a gift. It is the answer to Christ's priestly prayer that the Spirit would lead us into all truth. The revelation of God as Trinity is a gift to the church to liberate us from the bondage of our own ideas about God. It is the revelation of God that we could never imagine or engineer for ourselves. In showing us himself, God the Trinity liberates us to worship him, not as we might seek to know God, but as God knows himself to be. Where we would be tempted to worship merely a divine unity, we would soon find ourselves in flat submission to a distant power. Where we would be tempted to worship an ever-expanding plurality, we would exhaust ourselves with fear, and contradiction. The gospel of the Trinity means that we have been rescued by, we have been rescued from both the divine tyranny and the divine absurdity that we would make for ourselves if left to our own devices. Yet even with this knowledge, even so, one cannot celebrate the Trinity by simply stating a creed. We do not need new life in the spirit merely to cite an ancient formula of belief. No, this sacred, gifted life is for nothing less than participation in the Trinity. The life of the church is lived through perpetual prayer, our union with God as Trinity. We continually offer prayers of praise and confession and intercession to God the Father, through God the Son, by God the Spirit. To pray 
the Lord's Prayer is to share life with the Trinity. To pray the daily offices is to share life with the Trinity. To pray during Mass is to share life with the Trinity. To cross ourselves, to genuflect, to partake in the Eucharist is to share the life of the Trinity. To give ourselves in charity and service is to share in the life of God as Trinity. Yet to partake of the life of the Trinity is to share in the life of love that is the life of the Trinity. And this means that as we share in the spirit of love who is the unity of the Father loving his Son and the Son loving his Father, we must be transformed as persons who, who love as they love in the free gift of life to redeem all things into that life of love until all things become the kingdom of God. And so that means this morning, my beloved brothers and sisters, that today our celebration of God as Trinity and the life of prayer through which we share in the eternal life and love of the triune persons must become the shape of our life forever. We have been led through the waters of baptism to this new life. And this new life has the purpose of being shared. We become true partakers in the life of God only as this life bears fruit in lives that witness to the love of God. And so today, let us bind ourselves, bind to ourselves the strong name of the triune God. Let us become one with that love that moves all things, redeems all things, brings all things to itself. Let us love the person sitting next to us. Let us love the person we've not yet talked to. Let us love our families that we go home to in their messiness and in their nobility. Let us love the stranger we meet who needs our help. Let us love our enemies, commending them to God's redemption in the hope of their salvation. For the Father, through the Son, by the Spirit, has made us who were his enemies to become his beloved children. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. They who do not love do not know God, for God is love. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.